1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And today we are going to talk about pain, specifically the difference between having a sports injury and being in pain. And this is, interview is with one of the speakers from the International Olympic Committee's uh, conference that was held in Monaco uh, in November. So, I'm really happy to welcome to the program Morton Ho. After qualifying as a clinical physiotherapist and completing several clinical exams, Morton was granted the title of specialist physiotherapist in musculoskeletal physiotherapy and sports physiotherapy. And then in 2010, he made an entry into academia where he joined the multidisciplinary Master of Science in Pain, Science and Society at King's College London, and then from 2015 to 2019, Morton did his PhD in medicine and pain at Center for Neuroplasticity and Pain at Alberg University. He is now an assistant professor. He has also co-authored a textbook on pain, written several book chapters, clinical commentaries, and peer-reviewed basic science articles on pain and pain modulation. Having spent more than a decade as a clinician, teacher, and business developer, he decided to focus on improving national and international pain education based on the International Association for the Study of Pain. So really, really excited to have Morton on the show today. And what we are doing is really recapping his talk, doing a deeper dive into his talk, Uh, which was a wonderful one-hour workshop at IOC in Monaco. Uh, So everyone, please enjoy. Be sure to reach out to Morton. You can find all of his information at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com in the show notes for this episode. So thanks for listening, everyone, and enjoy. Hi, Morton. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you on, so thanks so much.
0: Thank you for having me, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, and today we're going to talk about your really wonderful, wonderful workshop at the IOC conference in Monaco. That was just a couple of weeks ago. And you did a great workshop on pain, which is one of my passions. The best thing for us to do here is to just throw it over to you and let you give a little background on the talk, and then we'll dive into the talk itself. So go ahead.
0: Thank you, and um, you know I'm I'm really happy that you liked it. It was a great pleasure to present that. The IOC was my first time there as well. Uh, A lovely place to be, and very lovely people, and a a really well organised conference as well. Well, back to the background. So the talk or the the workshop, as it were, um, was actually originally something I planned with Dr. Kieran O'Sullivan, who is now in Ireland. Unfortunately, he couldn't come due to travel restrictions and all of that for COVID. So we had to change it slightly. But over the period of the last sort of year or so, I've been working with colleagues at Auburn University, where I'm affiliated, uh, and Tess Stanton and Stephen George uh, of uh, Adelaide and, and Duke University, respectively. And together with them, we, we sort of have written up this idea that. There, there is a difference between having an injury and being in pain. And the reason we came about that was because we, we wanted to try and look into what is actually the sort of narrative definition of a sports injury. And and some one of my colleagues, uh, or actually two of my colleagues, Christian Lund and Sabine Vistrup, were looking into this and trying to sort of find out what's the consensus, what they came up with when they were looking at the last 10 years of, of sports related research is that the same articles could use injury and pain for the same thing so it was being used almost as well not almost but as synonymously um throughout the the program or the the manuscript and others would stick to pain and others would stick to injury but if you then try to go down into the methods and find out what is an injury really some would have definitions but there weren't really anything and definitely there wasn't a clear distinction between when is the tissue injured and when is the athlete suffering from pain that is keeping them from not doing what they want to do. So we came up with this idea to write an editorial for the BJSM. Yeah, So we, we wanted to do the editorial first, but we were under the impression that we couldn't get the editorial through because the topic you know, is probably a bit too narrow. But fortunately, Madeleine Thorpe, who is working with TASH in Adelaide, uh, she helped us create this infographic that sort of conveyed the message of the difference between what we called a sports-related injury and a sports-related pain. So, after a few revisions, uh, the BJSM took it in as an infographic with a, a short text to describe what we mean, and uh, and it's been uh, it's been you know, quite uh, well cited afterwards. So we're very happy with the, the attention that this idea has gotten. And of course, what we really are trying to, to do here is to create two new semantic entities, as we say, where, where it's clear when we do research, but also when we talk to athletes, are you really injured? Is there a tissue injury that needs healing and where you might need, you know, specific treatment for that injury? Versus, are you having pain as a consequence of an injury, or even without an injury, which is what we call sports-related pain? So that's sort of the broader concept, and uh, and I hope I've I've done right with my co-authors because they've of course been, been a huge part of both the development and the writing of these uh, these uh, this infographic.
1: Yeah, and can we now sort of dive in a little bit deeper? So. Injury versus pain, right? I think a lot of people will think that every time you have an injury, there's pain. So you used a really nice example in your talk. So does tendon tissue damage lead to pain? Yeah. But is the pain in the area of the tendon equal to damage to the tendon? Maybe not. Yeah. I'll have you kind of dive into this injury versus pain narrative. And if you want to go into those pain mechanisms that you spoke about, we can dive into that as well, because I know that, that uh, people had some questions on that on social media. So um, let's first talk injury versus pain.
0: Yeah. Um, again, my, my perspective on this with my background being a physio and, and sort of a neuroscientist is that... I come from it, I would say, from a pain scientist, pain mechanistic approach. And what I try to do is to understand what goes on in the human that could explain why they feel pain. And in some instances, and for instance, in low back pain, we we think in about maybe 80 to 95% of the cases, we don't know what's going on. So we're pretty sure that there is a mechanism, uh, perhaps a quite complicated one that has multiple factors that, are interrelated, but there's probably something. So that's really difficult to study. Again, consider, consider, you know, if if you were tasked to, to come up with a, you know, a model where you could study this, a model would be, for instance, an animal model. So not that I would encourage people to go out and, you know, do bad things to other animals, but just, you know, for the sake of the example, let's imagine that you wanted to do an animal model of, Low back pain, or even a herniated, sorry, a, a, a groin injury, you could say in in, in sports. If you know the, the most basic thing to do would be to create an injury. If you don't want to create an injury, injury, what you could do is is induce inflammation. You know, inject capsaicin, or put something under the skin or down into the tissues, and that makes your immune system go. You know, make inflammation, and that inflammation makes your nervous system respond more powerful we, we call it sensitization I think many people have heard of that word by now and that's a really good way to create that sensation of pain in humans as well so we can inject pepsacin again and people will you know usually feel pain in that case that's what happens or that's how we understand what happens in the case of a tissue injury so when there's a tissue injury there's inflammation and we understand that pain so when the tissue he- healing period is sort of crossing from what you could say the inflammatory phase into the prolific phase, pain should go down. And in most cases, that's what happened. But what when the pain persists after the inflammatory phase? You know, from the science perspective, we don't know that. But we still know that this person is in pain. So whether that be an athlete or non-athlete, they're still in pain. And in, in this in sort of the pain research world we have a definition of pain that doesn't necessitate any type of injury not even any activation of those we call them nociceptors but that nociceptive system you could say So we acknowledge that people can have pain and not be not be damaged not be injured not have pathology and that's sort of the idea that we are trying to bring into sports medicine as well uh, which has been, over the you know many last decades, I've I've you know I've been in in sports medicine or as a sports physio for twenty odd years, and and the sort of dominating belief and and also perhaps trajectory has always been sort of the orthopedic sports related and to some extent also pharmacological approach combined with and that's important combined with a non pharmacological uh, physio perhaps approach. So there's been this interrelationship, um, collaboration between doctors and physios and other health professionals, which is quite unique, as I see it, in the musculoskeletal system. We don't see that to the same extent, for instance, with low back pain or neck pain, but sports has done that. But maybe that has also kept people within the realms of sort of orthopedic approaches, trying to understand what goes on in the tissues and why do they hurt. And then when you couldn't find out why they hurt, we've just looked deeper into the tissues which is of course a good idea from a scientific or scientist's perspective because there are definitely things in the tissues that we don't know today which will you know make us become more aware of what goes on you know as as late as in the beginning of october wasn't it where the nobel prizes were given out um there was given a nobel prize out for the person i yeah, I might do violence to his name, but it's Pataputian, I think his last name is. Um, Adim Pataputian, or something like that. I do apologise for not being able to pronounce it. But he got the Nobel Prize, we shared the Nobel Prize, uh, for his work on the piezo-2 receptors, which is a quite new phenomenon and sort of the longer perspective. But it might learn us over time, why could movement hurt? Which is something we don't know today. So if there's no sensitization, why does it hurt to be moving? And, and that's really interesting. But again, coming out in the clinic, we don't know enough. So we will have patients in the clinic where we simply do not know why they hurt. And you could say that doesn't matter, we can call it anything. But then if you take a clinical look at what goes on, what happens again, if you look at the signs, what does it mean when people are hurting and they think they're injured, they, this is what I presented again, they seem to be thinking that being in pain is the same as being weak. Uh, If you're weak, you're not not allowed to be on the team. You might lose your position. So it has a lot of negative connotations. And I mean, that in, in itself is wrong. But what if it's based on a misconception that just because you are hurting, you are also injured? And couldn't we help people who are hurting with their pain just as well as we could if they are injured with a tissue injury. So what we are saying is that the two are different. They're both real. They should both be addressed. And they're they're not opposite ends of a dichotomy. You will have injury and pain in one end, but you will have pain without injury on the other end. So we need to pay attention to both of them separately.
1: Yeah, it's because sometimes a person has a pain problem may not be a specific tissue problem, but they have a pain problem. And so this pain problem may, like you said, cause certainly an athlete to catastrophize and to really play out to the point where maybe now they're fearful to get on the, the pitch or the court or the field. And so where does that leave us as physiotherapists when it comes to their care? How do we help manage someone, or I should say, help someone manage their pain in order to play their sport, knowing that they're, every time they go out and play, they're not compounding, quote unquote, tissue damage.
0: Yeah. And, and interesting. Let, let's say that someone has the perception that their tissues are injured and every time they move, that's a sign of their tissue injury, or even when they hurt more, the injury is bigger then that person, I mean, if that's a person like me, I would think that I should do something about that injury so that I don't hurt. But pain is always a symptom of something underlying it. Whereas we know from pain research in, for instance, low back pain, that pain can in itself be the disease, what the ICD-11 is now describing as chronic primary pain. So you can have that in your body you can have it in your tendons you can have it where where your tendons are you can have it where you know where the bones are where they, where you feel the muscles are and it's the pain itself is the problem so rather than looking specifically at a tissue which needs strengthening or some sort of treatment then we can look at the person and say what is it really that you need um, a very you know, very simple uh, example here which is unlikely to be you know the case for everyone but let's imagine you have someone with knee pain and the thing that happens is that when they start running the knee pain gets worse but if they've been running for a kilometer or two kilometer or miles whatever you know whatever metric you use um then the pain might be the same so it sort of comes from nothing to let's say five in the first mile and then it stays at five maybe six And that person wants to run 10 miles perhaps, but what's the problem in that? I mean the problem of course is if pain in this case is a sign of an injury that we should attend to. So we need to understand that it's not an injury. Once we've done that, why not help this person deal with the pain and maybe deal with it when they run? Just like we would say to someone if they have again, back pain for instance, and they have pain when they work, but their pain is not necessarily worse when they work, should they not be working? I mean, of course, if, if, if your pain can go away by two days of rest and graded exposure, that's fine. But in some cases, and, and they're not as rare as I think most people believe they are, that we just need to work with that person and help them do what they need or want to do with that pain. And while that, you know, of course, it's not the optimal, it would be much nicer if we would just cure the pain or if they could cure their own pain. But we, we're not there yet. We are still working to get it and we're not giving up. There's a lot to do. But currently, today and tomorrow, we, we need to help people work with their pain. That's the best thing we can do now. And, and, you know, giving people that agency to actually manage their pain. So in the case of the runner before, Maybe the best thing we can help them do is share with them ideas and and make them take agency over the pain by, you know, using perhaps a cold pack or heat pack or a rest um, regime or watching, you know, something that takes off their mind of the pain for a minute, looking, you know, watching Dope Sick on Disney, uh, whatever they need to do to get their mind off, you know, the pain that they have so that they can recharge and they can be as you know, then they are normal again before they go out for another run. So all of these things would make absolutely no sense if we didn't acknowledge that pain in itself is the problem because it's not helping anyone's tissue injury if there was as such to become better. So again, that's the infographic in its essence is that on one end, you, you need, there's inspiration to how to manage pain, what that means and how pain is influenced. And on the other side, you'll have tissue injuries and how to manage that. For instance, loading. In sports medicine, loading is a big issue. It's probably the one thing that you know, everyone is doing when you're rehabilitating some someone uh, after an injury or pain. But pain doesn't necess- necessarily sorry. Pain doesn't necessarily respond to loading. So you can have the same pain with or not you're loading. But there could be tons of other things, such as the way you think about your pain, um, the way you respond to your pain, um, experiences you've had before, the context you work in. So you can run in one context without too many pains or, or problems, but in a completely different context, for instance, um, when you do a competition or if you, know, if you need to do something because that's the bar to get on the competition you want to do then pain can be a much, much bigger problem. So we need to understand that context and beliefs and experience really influences pain, whereas loading may not. But it could, of course, but it doesn't have to. So pain is a much larger, much more complex topic of which we still don't know too much. We do know quite a lot. And as long as there's an injury, we understand the pain that goes with it. But when it comes to these pains that are there by themselves, the icd 11 type chronic primary pain then that's the type of pain that we you know we really we don't have the sort of blueprints on that so we can't help everyone and we can't say this is right for you or wrong for you we need to do individualized care for all of these people and help them find the best tools to support themselves
1: yeah and i think that was something that people who weren't at the conference and kind of reading through tweets um, that certainly brought up some questions, one of which was uh, the pain mechanism of nociplastic pain, where we can't fully explain it. And so then there was a question, well, if we can't fully explain it, why even bring it up? So I'll throw it over yeah. to
0: you. Oh, it's, it's, again, it's a good question. And, and especially if you are a clinician, why would you use it? They're, they're basically what they are. They are ways that scientists... Understand the pain. So, again, imagine you're standing at one end of a road and you're looking at the other end. By the end of that road, a lo- very long road, you have pain. And then the, the way the place you are standing at is how you explain how to get to that endpoint. And if you are standing at a place and you know there's a tissue injury, there's inflammation, we understand that as part of the normal no- nociceptive system. So, we would call it nociceptive pain. Underneath that, there is a range of different changes and modulators of the system that leads to, for instance, peripheral and central sensitization. So they're not unique to anything. That is there also in nociceptive pain, but it's induced by, for instance, a tissue injury. If you have a different tissue injury, the one that hits your nervous system, we call it a neuropathic pain. So you have a nerve damage along with pain. We call that a neuropathic. Pain. So again, you're standing on this long road, but in this case, the road itself is sort of gone wrong. But we still know what's going on. Uh, again, if you want to use the, the the study metaphor, you can you can design a study, you can just take an animal and you can compress or do something to the neurons and you can create this similar pain experience, or at least the behavior that assimilates this pain experience in animals. Other than humans, and then finally we have this new, we call it a, a me- mechanistic descriptor, uh, nociceptive pain, which is much much blurrier, and perhaps it's more like a waste bin as it is now. It's it's where you would say we acknowledge that people have pain, and a lot of things goes into it. So just like in nociceptive and neuropathic pain, sensitization is definitely part of it. It could also be part of Uh, the nosoplastic pain, but unlike the other two, you don't have the inflammatory response that could explain it, and you don't have the neuron damage that could explain it, but the person experiencing the pain could have a similar experience. So what is it really? How do we as scientists try to understand that pain? And and that's what nosoplastic is at at the moment. And, And there is a little bit of debate that whether or not you can actually use algorithms to diagnose or you know maybe justify at least that you yet the person in front of you are experiencing this type of pain mechanism or, or a pain related to this mechanism we, we definitely have a very very you know widely embraced algorithm used for neuropathic pain and 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 some very you know high profile researchers is just Recently, come out with a paper suggesting that the same can be done for noseplastic, sorry, for noseplastic pain. But personally, I don't think we should, because unlike so, nociceptive and and neuropathic pain, they're both well understood by science, and we can separate them. They are different. So you can have both, but you would have different qualities to it. There would be a nerve damage in one, and there wouldn't in the other, for instance but we don't know about nociplastic pain. So it could be changes in your nervous system. It could actually be you know, increased responsiveness of your immune system in an interaction with your nervous system. It could all be all of that. So it could be sensitization, but it could be tons of other things as well. So how can we start when we don't know what the mechanism is, how can we start to clinically differentiate? So I, I don't personally think we're quite there yet, although I like the idea that maybe we can at some point what I'm afraid of if we start to use these clinical descriptors sorry these mechanistic descriptors as clinical guidelines is that what happens to the people who are now embraced and validated in their pain experience by scientists saying well we know what you have it's plastic pain but what if we made up an algorithm and we used it for people what about the people who fall out do they need you know a false descriptor are they just weird do they have unknown pain, are they back to the psychogenic pain? So we've come quite a lot of way embracing the clinical aspects of pain into the pain research world. And I think using you know these three mechanistic describers as, you know, trying to really differentiate them and create perhaps treatments that is directed at either one at this point, or especially, you know I mean specifically directed at nosoplastic uh, pain, just because we know something doesn't mean we know everything. Um, So yeah, that's, that's the issue. That was a bit off off topic. I'm sorry, but it's, it's such an interesting topic. And I I think that the most important thing about nociplastic pain is that it is a construct that researchers use. It's embraced by the IASP, the World Pain Association, the Pain Research Association, and it validates that all pain is real. And there's, you know it's still real even though we cannot understand it from a science perspective i think that's important and i i would hate to see that we misuse it to say that some really has it and some don't because that mm-hmm. just you know that would be that would be sad
1: yeah and and can't one's pain experience everybody's pain experience is individualized but one person's nociceptive pain experience may be exactly like someone's neuropathic pain experience or someone's plastic pain experience because it's... It, and so then to categorize and the person says, oh, well, my pain is like this. So it means this. So I can't have this. And I think it can get people a little confused. And when you have more long-term or chronic pain, it's like the, the pain is there. Pain is pain. Some people need the the label or categorization, but like you said, is it, is it really helpful? And it kind of leads me to the one of the last slides in your presentation, and it was like, pain prevention is well-intentioned, yay, thumbs up, sometimes unrealistic and possibly unhelpful. Yeah. So do you wanna expand on that a little bit and what you meant by that slide?
0: Yeah, that slide was, that was actually the whole idea when when I started to talk with um, Dr. Kieran O'Sullivan about the workshop is that we see a lot of people, um, athletes, so both of us are still clinicians and, and we see and we hear stories of a lot of athletes who have been treated and treated and treated again or assessed and assessed and assessed again and again because they have a pain that we cannot objectivize. So we can't find anything on scans or blood samples or clinical tests. So rather than acknowledging that pain can be there, so let's say nociplastic pain, there's a, there's something going on in your nervous system that gives you this pain and we don't know what it is. We can't see it. That would be, the, I would say, the proper thing to do. So rather than doing that, we tend to keep sending people off and it ends up with too many scans and too many assessments and too much worry. And in that process, we, you know, the athlete is unlikely to be performing optimal during that period of time. Um, partly, of course, due to the pain, but also due to the insecurity to, you know, if, if nothing is found on the first scan and a second scan that at some point, they probably start to wonder whether or not they're completely broken or if it's a really rare disease, or even if it's going to kill them. And these are things that we might feed into by over-treating. So, of course, we should try and prevent pain. Um, statistics suggest that that's quite tricky. And we, you know, it would be great if we could, or even perhaps what we can do is give people tools so they can take agency over their pain when it flares up. But having this idea that when you are in pain, you are damaged is is very unhelpful, we think. So we really wanted to highlight the fact that sometimes pain is is that it is pain it's still disabling it's that feeling of pain and nobody can feel whether or not their pain is due to an injury or not it it feels just like pain but we identify all pain as if there was an injury when in fact it's it's quite unlikely that the majority of cases would have an injury attached to it and and just coming back to one thing you said before that it was quite subtle, but I think it's a really important point you made there, which is that all pain is real. It's always experienced as pain, whether that be of any of the descriptors or for any reason, it, it always feels like pain. And the quality that we attach to it, it's a muscle pain or it's whatever, is something we do. It's our perception, it's our belief about what the pain is. And maybe that's what we need to also address in sports medicine is that this belief about what your pain is caused by is a potential target for treatment. We call it psychotherapy or psychoeducation, or, you know, and it doesn't have to be pain neurobiology education. That's unlikely to be better than any other good education and listening and embracing. So there's a range of uh, different interventions that are combining or embracing the fact that you need to talk to your athlete or your patient and help them make sense of their pain in a way that gives them empowerment or gives them agency over their pain.
1: And something that came to my mind is you were saying, oh, the pain, it's, it's in the muscle, it's the tendon, it's the bone, it's the joint. And can't that also be a coping mechanism of the athlete? So they may say, oh, it's, you know, this is, ah, it's just a muscle strain. It's so it's, it's their way of coping of saying, ah, it's nothing. I can continue to, to move forward. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think as long as it empowers them, if, if, you know, if you have a pain that you, again, think about DOMS or deleted onset onset muscle soreness, Mm -hmm. that's an empowering pain, isn't it? I mean, I have DOMS. I was doing exercise yesterday. And if you really want to, you know, be good at something, then perhaps DOMS is your sort of reward, even Even though it's painful, it should be awful, it it might actually feel like a reward. So in that case, you interpret the pain that you are experiencing as a reward of something you want it to happen. And I, I definitely think that some would say that this is just a minor thing. Again, think about general health and male, you know, older men like myself, tend to not, go into, you know, the GP for what we conceive to be minor things. But in fact, that might be killing us because we say, no, 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 that's nothing. No, that little spot, that's not cancer. No, it's I, I don't I don't think it's a lump. It's probably just mm-hmm. something that's here this week. So we, we should be much better at listening to it and giving it, you know, you know, the quality or the, you know, the meaning that it should have. So it's on both ends of the spectrum. Sometimes we neglect that pain is there for a reason and we should listen to it. And sometimes we should understand that the pain is there without anyone really knowing what it is. But it doesn't mean, just because we don't have a universal tool that can treat all pain, which is what we say when we say there's no treatment for chronic pain. In fact, there's quite you know, a variety of well-established evidence-based treatments that can reduce pain but they need to be targeted and individualized so that each one find their you know their way through their pain and of course one way to do it is to go to everyone you know who has a you know any background in health and ask them what to do uh, probably the best thing to do is to to talk to someone who knows about pain and then get advice about what seems to be working for you embracing that the one in this case the athlete with pain they have perhaps one or two years experience with their pain. They know much more about their pain than I do. But I can act as a consultant. I can listen to them. I can help them structure. I know what you know patterns out there. So I can listen for that. And then together we can try a few things. But over a period of maybe weeks, they should know as much as I do about pain generally. But with their focus on it. And, and that should give them, you know, with a bit of practice, the ability to find out what works and what doesn't. And rather than thinking of pain management in the case of a sports-related pain as an on-off thing, so either it works and the pain is not there or it doesn't work, it only reduces the pain a bit, we probably should be realistic and say that most people can have reductions in their pain, perhaps 20, 30, perhaps more percent. But the majority of people will experience from some sort of management uh, a pain reduction but it doesn't mean that the pain is going to go away and it doesn't mean that sport is going to be absolutely pain free but we need to find a balance between the two so that we understand when pain is actually a sign of either injury or possible injury but also understand when pain is something that might just be part of life and the best way we can do the the most evidence-based approach to that would be to find your way through it you know, in perhaps um, together with a, 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 a clinician of some sort. Yeah.
1: And my gosh, I was just going to say, as we wrap things up, would you like to put a bow on it, on your talk and at, at the IOC conference and to this talk today? And I think you've just done it. I think you beat me to the punch, but is there anything else that you'd like to add um, that, that you want the listeners to take away?
0: I think the most, the thing that I always want to stress is that people who meet or live their lives with pain, they are experts and we as clinicians and and researchers should embrace that much more. So the patient as an expert is is something I I feel deeply about. And I think we should be able to understand that as a a scientist, you might know know, a lot about groups. Um, As a clinician, you might know a lot about people who come to you with the similar symptoms but as a person who have pain you have two or three years perhaps of experience with your own pain and I think the best way to you know to get all of these together is by everyone being aware that we have different aspects and different competences and we should bring them together and and I think that's the best we can do right now but still don't give up hope we we should definitely try and cure all pain from the planet, but mm-hmm. may- maybe not by opioids.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. And now, Morton, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do, uh, read your research, where can they find you?
0: Um, I think the easiest way would probably be to either find me on, on Facebook or go on Twitter. My handle is at MH underscore DK. And I'm also on uh, Instagram. Uh, it's at MHDK underscore Dr. Morton Ho.
1: Excellent. And one last question. And it's a question I ask everyone is what advice would you give to your younger self, knowing where you are now in your life and in your career?
0: Remember things take time to cope with. Sometimes you have a good idea and you can't imagine however to, you know, you hear something and everyone else knows it and you are like the only one who doesn't get it but give it a bit of time and you know i we have a saying that rome wasn't built in one day i think it goes in english as well so mm-hmm. just give things time and and make sure you stick to your good ideas if you think they're good but also leave them if they're not
1: excellent advice so morton thank you so much this was a great conversation and like i said uh, your talk at IOC was really wonderful. There's, if people want to see his slides, there are tons of, tons of tweets with all of his slides and and great descriptors. You can go to IOC PREV 2021. That was the hashtag for the conference. And as you look through, um, you'll see a lot of uh, tweets from hit from Morton's workshop. So thank you so much for coming on and expanding on that for us. I appreciate it.
0: Amazing. Thank you. It is a huge pleasure and privilege to be here. Thank you, Karen.
1: Thanks so much. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy and smart.
0: Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.